This is Pulse Check. I'm Ben Leonard. For the rest of the week, we're taking a step back and looking at the forces that shaped healthcare in 2022 and what's ahead in 2023. Let me ask you a question. If I offered you $30 million for the company, would you take it? Mark Cuban, you've probably heard of him. He's famous for his Shark Tank reality TV show on ABC, and he's one of America's most prominent investors. Earlier this year, he made a foray into healthcare, launching the Mark Cuban Cost Plus drug company to take on the pharmaceutical market and lower drug prices. What's going on? I sat down with him to talk about the Cost Plus drug company and how he plans to pull it off. So, you know, as you said, you founded Cost Plus Drugs. And to give a little background, you know, for our listeners, the, the company aims to get to cut drug costs by negotiating directly with manufacturers. Um, sells at cost plus 15% plus the uh, $3 handling and shipping. So I guess just, you know, how did this come about and how is it competing and how can it compete against the big incumbents like Walgreens and CVS? So first things first, um, I've been in the healthcare space doing funding research studies, et cetera, and... Um, as that got out, I got get different inquiries, emails um, like yours, and I got an e cold email from Dr. Alishash Mayansky, and he told me about a compounding pharmacy he was doing and his goal to cut drug prices. And we started going back and forth via email, and I was quizzing him and quizzing him and quizzing him, and we got to the point where we thought we could create a company that would reduce the cost of medications. And so that led to the formation of Cost Plus Drugs. And in doing so, in analyzing everything, the question became, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? What what's needed? And so, you know, our mission was pretty simple and pretty straightforward from the beginning. You know, to be the low cost provider of medications that we were legally able to sell. And from there, it really was okay. Well, what's a different? What else can we do to set ourselves apart? And the key to that was transparency, because one of the things that are lacking across the entire healthcare industry are people understanding why things cost what they do. No, you know, people will tell you their price and they may be transparent on their pricing, but they won't ever tell you their cost mm-hmm. and they won't ever tell you how they got to the price they charge. So we decided right from the beginning that we would not only put the price we sell it for, but also the price that we pay and what our markup is. So when you go to costplusdrugs.com and put in the name of the medication and, and it comes up and it shows you what we pay, that we market up 15%, and, you know, then there's $3 for a pharmacy fill fee and $5 for shipping. That's it. And because of that simplicity, we launched on January 19th, 2022. And here we are, you know, less than, what is it, 12, 11 months later. Mm-hmm. And we're at about 1.5 million accounts. Wow. So I guess just, you know, a Medicare study found that the program could have saved, you know, $3.6 billion if it bought directly from Cost Plus. Is that something that you would like to happen down the road? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the interesting thing here is that the re, you know, we saw that study that, you know, and that came out early on, right, not long after we launched, and when we only had, I think, 77 drugs that would have fit the Medicare profile, and that was 3.6 billion dollars a year, and we had one to come up, come out a couple of days ago, um, where it was a urologist who did the same thing. They looked at the urology drugs that we sell and compared it to Medicare, and would have saved another billion plus dollars a year just on a few drugs. And what's really changed um, is that because we're transparent for the first time ever, you're able to do cost comparisons for what um, any government entity sells, particularly Medicare versus our pricing. And so you just look at the quantity they buy and the price they paid and versus our price. And 
you know, these were a couple examples. There's going to be many more and we don't pay for them. They just they just pop up. And to answer your question, would we want to do business with Medicare and save taxpayers money? Absolutely. And, you know, the crazy part is indirectly we are saving taxpayers money because what's happening, Medicare often has very high copays. Mm. And because our pricing is often less than the copay, you know, that means when someone comes in and pays us five dollars instead of paying a thirty dollar copay that, you know, and then on top of that, um, there's a price charge to Medicare. You know, Medicare has to pay out of pocket, you know, so in effect, effectively, we're saving Medicare money. Yeah. Already. Um, so I know the um, you've talked about planning to launch your own PBM. Um, is that still set for 2023? And what do you want that to look like? Yeah, and actually, we, you know, we'll work with anybody. We are literally Switzerland. Our mission, again, is to be the mm -hmm. low-cost provider of medication. And so whether that comes in partnering with a PBM, creating our own, doing whatever it takes, that's exactly what we're going to do. So, you know, creating a PBM is easy. It's really just about where we use it and how we use it. So we just announced um, a deal yesterday with Emsana RX Plus, where they are a PBM that is also a um, public benefit corporation that um, is looking to change the game. And so they're working with a lot of major employers to contractually be their PBM and, excuse me, and fulfill um, using cost plus drugs. You told me last time that we're, you're hoping to expand from generics to name brand drugs also. Um, where does that stand? And I guess, how would that work? Yeah, I mean, we started, it wasn't a drug, but we started with Roach for some insulin supplies. And so that was our first name brand partner. And we're in the process now of talking to quite a few, actually. And the challenge isn't really getting them to say yes now. The challenge is just getting through all mm -hmm. the contracts because there's all kinds of most favored nations clauses and everything. And so, you know, we're working through those. And I'm pretty sure we'll have something within first quarter of next year that'll save a lot of patients a lot of money on a lot of different drugs. I know you're building a manufacturing facility in Texas also. You know, what's the goal of that and what sort of capacity do you think it'll have? So... Got delayed a little bit. We were hoping for it to already be open, but because of some supply chain delays, we're just looking like first quarter next year. And the goal for it was is to be a fill and finish facility. So we'll be able to focus on manufacturing hard. You, there's always a list of drugs that are on short supply that the government puts out. And so we want to manufacture those drugs and get them out as quickly as possible. So things like sterile water, you would never think that would ever be in short supply, but it's on short supply all the mm. time. And there's a long list of like 10, 20 other drugs that fall on that short supply list all the time. And so we build a, a facility in Dallas that is robotically driven that we can go out and make millions of vials of year, a year. But the key issue is that once something goes on um, the shortage list, takes us four hours to reconfigure our robotics to switch from one medication to the next. And so we'll work directly with hospitals to fill their need. So again, using sterile water as, as an example, if a hospital is, if it's on the short supply list, we're going to get purchase orders from hospital after hospital, you know, for us to make that for them. And that's what we'll do. You know, a lot of these are big goals. What do you think is sort of the biggest impediment to achieving what you want to do? Time. It just takes time. Like we've only been doing this dealing with customers for 11 months that's an insanely short period of yeah. time and just the fact that we're we're having this conversation shows you the impact that we've had you know just you go on social media and you look up cost plus drugs it's just example after example after example and you know it's just we're 
you know, with 1.5 million accounts, you know, we expected that three years in, not 11 months in, you know, and so it's really just time to get everything done and scaled up and develop relationships and, you know, let people know where we are, where, you know, right now we're mail order, but we're, we're creating an affiliate network of independent pharmacies where, you know, you'll be able, if mail order doesn't work for you, you need to pick it up this afternoon. You can just go to your local independent pharmacy and pick it up there. And, you know, that's a dual benefit, not just for the patient, but with our program, you'll, you know, the pharmacies, typically when there's companies that send prescriptions to independent pharmacies, they actually charge the pharmacy to fulfill the prescription Mm -hmm. because they presume that that traffic will sell more, you know, more cosmetics and more toilet paper you know, and, and groceries, but we, we don't want to be that way. We'll take the $8 that we would normally charge for fill fee and, and shipping and allow the independent pharmacist to charge that. So they'll get the same price as they would through cost plus drugs, but you're also able to pick it up locally and you're helping up your local pharmacy. Okay. So you touched us on this a little bit. Um, you're in discussions with hospitals on tackling drug shortages. Um, what sort of drugs would you hope to help with there? No, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, I keep on using sterile water because I can never pronounce all the ones. <laughs> it really is anything that, that can be put in a vial that is on the shortage list. So anything at all. We'll be right back. Congress has taken a look at reining in PBMs. Is there anything that you'd like to see happen there? No, we're fine. <laughs> it doesn't affect much. Yeah, literally... You know, they, they, they've created such a quagmire for everybody. Um, it's understandable why everybody is upset at them, and they, they certainly aren't necessarily good actors across the board. Um, but when I said there's, there's certain ones, I shouldn't say across the board, but there's certainly PBMs who are not good actors. But at the same time, um, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but we're going to keep on making dents in what they do. There's just so much opac- opacity that by us being transparent, it, it really, once we get the ability to add pharmacies for local pickup, there's nothing we won't be able to do, you know? And so I think we're going to be able to compete and have a big impact. And, you know, I was just at um, an org- uh, a meeting yesterday um, with PBGH, and I'll screw up their, um, what the acronym stands for, but basically they're, they're an affiliation of major employers companies with, you know, 25, 50,000 or more employees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they want to work with us. And so when you start having an impact like that, then you're going to, you're going to get noticed and we're going to be able to have a, you know, we're going to be able to change things. So I guess, I guess just looking at Congress, you know, how much time do you spend following what's happening on there in healthcare and how much does it matter to you uh, in your company? I, I spend a lot of time paying attention to it, but it's not as impactful as everybody wants it to be. I think there's a fundamental misunderstanding from um, Congress. You know, price caps like what happened with the IRA for insulin are great. They're great for the patients and they're certainly needed. And if you saw my tweet yesterday, we're working on programs um, for insulin and we can talk about those if you want. But the reality is in order for prices to come down on drugs, somebody's got to take less. And somebody's there's got to be risk mitigation um, scenarios for manufacturers. And until Congress understands that, it's going to be really difficult to have a a true impact that and particularly to have to get bipartisan um, legislation passed. Because, you know, with price caps, what ends up happening, because a lot of the not even the manufacturers, but the the PBMs that that deal with pricing and deal with contractual negotiations, 
until they're willing to take less money rather than moving from left pocket to right pocket, the reality is, you know, you might, we'll, we'll save insulin um, users money and that's good. You know, insulin users on Medicare will save them money and that's good with a $35 cap, but they're just going to make the money somewhere else. It's not like there's a public PBM, a PBM that's public who's going to show lesser earnings to their shareholders. It's just not going to happen. And until Congress understands that, it's going to be really difficult to implement legislation that is truly impactful. Curious to hear more about the, uh, what you're doing on insulin. Sure. I tweeted and we put on LinkedIn and Instagram that um, we wanted to get feedback on a program that would cost $170 every three months for up to 12 vials of insulin or the equivalent in pens, which is eight pens. And so we, you know, we wanted to know if that was a price that would really be impactful for patients. And the response has been great. Mm. You know, we weren't sure what to expect, um, but it really will help quite a few people. Those people who with, with high deductible plans or who are uninsured that don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid will, will significantly benefit. So we want to get the feedback first. And, you know, we have a little test program that we're doing with that. And so the pe- based off the people who are responding, we're going to them one at a time and enrolling them in this test program to, to not only help them, but to get our infrastructure in place to make sure that we can scale to however big we need to be. To give us some, some reference, so $170, that includes shipping. Mm. And so if you do the math, if you're a heavy insulin user that uses, you know, four vials a month or 12 vials every three months, that's less than $15 a vial. Mm. And so when, you know, all the negative feedback on insulin is that, well, look at Canada, they're $14 a vial, right? That's the average price there. So that puts us in striking distance. And I think we can go lower because that $170 includes $65 for shipping. And so if we're able to do local pickup and we pay the local pharmacist 10, 15, 20 dollars, whatever it is, that price goes significantly lower. And then I guess just taking a step back, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about our healthcare system, what would it be? Transparency. I mean that you know, there was a point in time where pharmaceuticals were very simple. You know, someone buys the drugs and someone sells the drugs. And there was no in between. So that would be nice on the drug side of it. And that's what Cost Plus is trying to do. On the healthcare provider side, hospitals, et cetera, we need transparency. You know, I tried to pay for a study that asked a simple question of hospitals what accounting do you use? No one would respond. Hmm. And based off of feedback, there are a lot of hospitals that don't do any type of cost accounting for their services at all because hmm. it's difficult and it's convoluted. And so, you know, I think that would be the first thing. The second thing I would do as it applies to providers, in particular hospitals, is I would push forward multi-bed rooms. You know, there was a point in time, you know, if you go back to the 1921 or 1920 pandemic, you see these big open gymnasiums like, you know, rooms where you see 200 beds. And I'm not saying we go back to that, but you can really start to cut the price of healthcare if you have non-private rooms as the standard. If someone want, like me wants to pay up for um, a private room, great. Let the hospitals do some things there. But for everybody, you know, for people who are looking to save the most amount of money and get great care, but at a lower cost, we're going to need things like multi-bed rooms. We're going to need to do things like paying for malpractice insurance for doctors. We're going to look to lead to look at things like you know, free med school, you know, or X number of slots for free med school, because when you have doctors start off with $250,000 in debt, there's a really good chance they're going to look to 
practice the higher income practices, right? The, you know, specialties. They're going to be plastic surgeons rather than primary care physicians because you want to pay back that 250K in debt. And so I think there's a variety of things that we could do that would change healthcare dramatically. But we get so dogmatic about single payer or, or not single payer, right? As if there's just two things and there's no room in between to find a, you know, find something that is a hybrid better solution. You know, say you and I are talking next time next year. Um, where where do you want Cost Plus to be? Twenty million accounts. Mm. You know, most brands being able to deal with um, more medications that you know things we can't currently do. You know, that injectables and stuff like that um, for to patients. And so there's just a lot of things I hope we can expand to. Hopefully, we'll have a network of thousands of independent pharmacies. So we'll see. Thanks so much for making time. Appreciate it, Ben. Thank you. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Ben Leonard. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.